You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey, everyone. Welcome again to the Rockies podcast. Tim McMaster here along with our MLB.com Rockies reporter, Thomas Harding. And, Thomas, a lot to get to in this one. We're going to get to the top ten prospect lists according to MLB Pipeline, where the Rockies were well represented, and that may be an understatement. And it's also some news to talk about. And the Rockies caravan, which we got into a little bit last week on the podcast, but it continued on, and we got some more information out of that as well as a lot of the players uh, getting a chance to talk throughout the caravan. So I want to start with Nolan Arenado because he opened up a little bit. Uh, I think it was the final day of the Rockies caravan where he spoke, and he talked about the loss in the wild card game, and he actually uh, skipped the team flight back to Denver from Arizona after that loss, spent some time, I think, with his family. And, and I mean, as a fan, you hate, you know, you don't like guys to obviously lose games and, and it, and it hurts, obviously. But as a fan, you almost embrace the fact that a guy would take a loss like that so badly in this day and age. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, I was, I was thinking back to growing up in high school and playing football, and I think I cried after every football game we lost up until my senior year until I realized the NFL didn't have my phone number and it wasn't <laughs> that big a deal. But, no, when, um, when he said that he stayed back in Phoenix, he went golfing, he went to a Post Malone concert by himself because no one wanted to go with him because he was so miserable. And, I mean, what that tells me is that that taste of the playoffs is driving him through the offseason. And actually during this caravan, a couple other guys, uh, John Gray, who started that game, he said, gee, I just wanted to go back and do it over again. And he's using that in the offseason. Um, Charlie Blackman did an article on him in December, and it wasn't his best game. But late in that game, he was trying to make a bunt play. He was trying to bunt past Jorge De La Rosa. He bunted too hard, did get a run in, but he thought if I got on base, it could have kept the rally going. I mean, these guys who had never been to the postseason before, they get there, they get a taste of it, and just not being able to stay there long really drove them crazy. Listen, I've talked to people with this organization who felt like they had a good chance against the Dodgers in the next round. That's how excited they were about it. And with Nolan Arenado, I didn't expect anything less from Nolan. Um, I remember it being in there and talking to him after the game, and he seemed okay, but you could tell deep down inside he was just mad, like, gee, one more at bat or one more something uh, the Rockies could have been going on. So that's a good thing for fans to see, to know that their players truly care and wear it on their sleeve like that. You mentioned Charlie Blackman and some great pictures on social media this week of, of Blackman and Arenado out fishing together. Uh, make sure you check those out. I think the Rockies tweeted one of them, but uh, that was good stuff. But Blackman obviously agreeing to the $14 million one-year deal to avoid arbitration. Now, the good news that comes from that for Rockies fans is that he said that he considers that a jumping-off point. Um, and, and a point to work towards something else. And obviously the thought of keeping Blackman in the fold past the point where his free agency is coming up uh, sooner than most would like is, is great news. And it's just great to hear a player talk in those terms as opposed to just staying off the record and I don't want to talk about it and I'll let my agent handle that stuff. Yeah, and, and Charlie and I have had several discussions about it. We talked about it um, in December. We've talked about it since then a couple of times. And he has said, hey, I would like to stay here. It's kind of up to the Rockies. I mean, uh, obviously it takes both sides to get an agreement, but um, he is making it a clear point that um, he would like to stay beyond this year. Now, the Rockies have a 
have a very good farm system. I mean, when you have guys like um, Ramel Tapia and David Dahl in the outfield position, they've got guys that potentially could, um, you know, replace a Charlie Blackman. But Charlie Blackman, one of the reasons why I think he's so valuable to the Rockies is that he's one of the best leadoff hitters in the game. And if you look at the history of this Rockies team, there haven't been a lot of leadoff hitters that have stood out. And what I like about Blackman is he's a leadoff hitter that you're afraid of, meaning that, um, you know, you're, you're not really – a lot of leadoff hitters, the smaller guys, the guys that maybe get on base and steal a base, you're not really worried about throwing them a fastball over the plate. Well, Charlie Blackman, it's very hard – for an opposing pitcher to want to establish that fastball and catch too much of the plate because he can hit it out of the park. And that's what sets the whole lineup. So the Rockies have some decisions to make, and frankly, they're, they are good choices. You know, do you get, go with some of these younger guys that are coming up behind Blackman, or do you say, hey, wait a minute, this guy is a real threat, and let's sign him for a little bit longer and then see what we do with the guys who are breaking in after that. Yeah, and you said David Dahl, one of those young guys, and some good news as far as he goes. Obviously broke through a little bit a couple of years ago, but then the injury struck, and, and it's been a struggle to get back healthy and on the field. But some good news from Bud Black over the last week saying that David Dahl should be full go for the start of spring training. That's the start to start healthy. Now you got to get through spring training healthy. Um, when you look at this roster as it's created now, where is the spot for David Dahl on the 2018 roster? Um, right now, I am looking at the outfield, prob- possibly left, possibly right. Um, they have that spot because Carlos Gonzalez is a free agent. They could actually revisit that with him. He had such a strong finish. But right now, he's a free agent um, looking for a deal out there. Could you go with a David Dahl or Ramel Tapia in a corner outfield position? And you've got um, you've got some versatility on the roster because – Gerardo Parra could play either corner of the outfield, so whichever one fits best, he could go to it. He's been a gold glover. That makes a difference. And then you could concentrate if you want to add a part at first base in order to just slow down um, slow down things for, for Ryan McMahon, the uh, first base prospect. So there are a lot of things you can do here. David Dahl could fit in this thing. I think what they would like for him to do um, – Basically, what he did back in 2016 is make it impossible to deny him. So that'll be a big spring for David Dahl. Um, I remember talking to him recently, and he is working his way up to up to spring training to where when he gets to spring training, he'll be ready to face pitchers and do all the things that you need to do. I believe that the, the club retweeted something from Dahl from a few days ago where he is in the batting cage actually taking batting practice. You mentioned the young players that are ready to go in the outfield, including Dahl. But let's take a look at the infield and the youth coming up through the system. The MLB Pipeline top 10 position lists have come out over the last week and a half. As we record this, they're all out except for the outfield, which will be released on Thursday. But the Rockies cleaning up within these top 10s. First base, Ryan McMahon checks in as the number two prospect in the game. Second base, Garrett Hampson checks in at number seven. Third base, Colton Welker checks in at number eight. He's just 20 years old. 
And then uh, number four shortstop is Brendan Rodgers. Obviously, he's a guy who a couple of years ago in the draft was Pipeline's number one ranked guy as far as talent goes. He dropped a little bit, and the Rockies got him still in the top five. So you have a bunch of guys there, some closer than others to the big leagues. Obviously, Ryan McMahon will start there, has already made his big league debut. You said it, depending on what moves they make, maybe they don't have to push Ryan McMahon into the lineup. But, hey, if the moves don't come through and McMahon is your only option at first base, it's not a bad option to go with. Yeah, they can ease McMahon into the lineup. Listen, he played at double-A AA and triple-A last year, so it's not like he has a whole lot of big league experience. But whether they go out and sign someone, and I know they've been talking to Mark Reynolds, or they could even slide Ian Desmond over to first base rather than put him in the outfield um, on, on days that uh, maybe they don't want to use McMahon. They can ease him in there. I go back to when Todd Helton was breaking in with the Rockies and what the manager at the time, Don Baylor, did. They still had John Vanderwall, and they kept Vanderwall around for the early part of the season until they were certain that Todd Helton was their guy at first base. So I can see something similar with Ryan McMahon at that position. Obviously, second and third base when you talk about Hampson, who's 23-year-old speedster, number seven second baseman, and Weltiger, number eight third baseman. Those aren't top, top prospects, but still obviously thought of highly. And, you know, I think fans would love to see Arenado in Colorado for a long time at third base. That said, it's still good to have these guys coming, especially from a depth standpoint. I have no doubt about it. I mean, I go back to – what, what, what they've been doing with, say, the outfielders, David Dahl, at one point he was strictly a center fielder when he got to double-A. Part of it was his impetus, but part of it was a plan on the part of the organization to put him at all three outfield positions. And if you look at these infielders, um, Hampson at second base, very speedy fellow, they are also introducing him to center field. There's another guy who had been on the prospect list, has dealt with some injuries, Forrest Wall. Same thing with him. Uh, middle of the diamond player, what happens if he can go out to center field like a Trey Turner or someone like that? Then there's another way to get him to the big leagues. Uh, Colton Wel- Welker is more a prototypical third baseman, big, strong fellow, but in instructional ball, they gave him some time at first base. He hasn't done it in a game yet, but they're going to keep doing things like that to be as versatile as possible. A couple of reasons for that. Number one, if they do sign, say, an Arenado for a period of time, and they have shortstops. If they're good enough to play in the major leagues, you've got to get them on the field somehow. And I haven't seen the defense yet that puts two guys at, at short or two guys at third. You've got to find a way to get those guys on the field. And also, the Rockies, uh, they were kind of at the forefront of this, of carrying 13 pitchers on the staff. So you've got to have some versatility among your players to where it's one fewer position player than was traditionally carried. Now everybody's doing this, so you want guys to play multiple positions, even if they're top prospects. And uh, Forrest Wall, who you mentioned, actually friends with Brendan Rodgers from the Orlando area. Bo Bichette, who's actually the number three shortstop prospect, also from that same area, and him and Rodgers know each other as well. A little hotbed down there in Orlando uh, for a couple of years. So Rodgers is a guy who obviously was a very highly thought-of draft pick coming out, and he has hit everywhere he's been. Uh, When he got moved up last year, he hit maybe his first bump in the road but then figured it out. He's been moving quickly as far as high school draft picks go. 
Yeah, he has. I mean, you know, a guy who was 20 years old and absolutely a dominant hitter in the high A California League, and usually that is guys that are maybe a year out of college baseball. I mean, and, and a very legit hitter. He runs pretty well offensively. Um, the thing that the Rockies like about him is this. A lot of people looked at him coming out of high school, kind of a bigger body type guy, and the question was, can he stay at shortstop? There were even people from other organizations who were looking and actually trying to trade with the Rockies for him, feeling, hey, he's going to hit, but let's move him to second base. Rockies tried him some at second base a couple um, in, in 2016. Then last year he played a lot more shortstop, and the plays that he's making to the middle of the diamond have the Rockies believing, hey, this guy is a major league starting level shortstop. Now they've got one at the, in the majors in Trevor Story, but you know who knows what happens between now and then. I mean, Trevor Story was coming through. Rockies really believed that he was a shortstop, but they started playing him at third, started playing him at second, thinking we've got to find a way to get this guy on the field. Well, what happens? They trade Troy Tulowitzki, then they end up releasing um, Jose Reyes at the start of the season, and and uh, in 2016, Trevor Story was one of the biggest stories, so to speak, among rookie shortstops. Yeah, and Brendan Rodgers in the Futures game last year was forced to play second base to get in the starting lineup and made yes. a slick play as well. So he can do it on either side of the bag as well. This has been MLB.com Extras, our Rockies edition. For Thomas Harding, I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.